got your scriptures this morning, go ahead and turn over to Mark chapters 4 and 5. We're going to kind of work our way through that text this morning, Mark chapter 4 and 5. Uh, I just noticed a lot more people smiling when they came in today, I think because spring is near, so let's have a, a big hand for spring, huh? Yeah. Good times. And um, if you didn't get a chance, last Sunday night we had a town hall meeting and it was exceptional. Uh, laid out a lot of the future plans here on the west side. Uh, if you just go on Facebook and uh, check that out, I encourage you to do that. It's just uh, great. It should give you a lot of encouragement. And also just want to encourage folks, we have these prayer benches. And uh, anytime throughout the service, especially after the message, if you ever feel like with your family or friends or anyone, we just want you to know that those benches are available to pray. And then we also have our prayer room to my left uh, in the bar. We always talk about the bar. And uh, I'm sure visiting, you're probably wondering, well, that's strange, and, and it is. So anyway, uh, we want you to know about that. But in all seriousness, we want to open uh, our service today by praying for everything that's going on in uh, Ukraine. And uh, we know that there's just a lot of shattered families right now and uh, a, a lot of pain and suffering. And so we just want to pray for that right now. So let's pray. Holy Father, uh, one of the things that you have uh, shared about us as human beings is that there will always be wars and rumors of wars. And during wartime, uh, Lord, there's just so much that goes on. And so, Lord, I pray that you be with the nation of Ukraine, uh, be with the families, be with the leaders uh, during this incredibly difficult time. And, Lord, I just pray that if there's any way that the church can help, Lord, help us to just lift up our prayers and find ways to help. Thank you for giving us hope through Jesus Christ, and it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So I'm so grateful last week, uh, Tobin Wingard took an extremely difficult uh, sermon on uh, predestination and election, uh, but I want you to know that today, I'm not trying to, I don't want you to feel sorry for me, uh, but I guess I do. So today's theme is the supernatural, but if you were reading Core 52, week 25, if you get a chance to read that, he covers heaven, hell, demons, and angels in 30 minutes. Good luck with that. And so uh, we're going to do the best we can as we go through this, and we're going to talk about the supernatural, but what I really want more than anything is to see all of us live in a world that at times is extremely dark and needs light. Would you agree? And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's stand as we read the memory verse for this week. It comes from Matthew 25, 41. It's going to come up right here on the screen. Here we go. And he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay, you can be seated. And that a feel-good verse. Okay, so uh, you can put it in your Hallmark card or whatever. Uh, but the supernatural uh, is an unbelievable topic. It really is. And it's what we're going to get into and, and how important it is that we understand. Just like those followers of Jesus, we can learn everything we knew in life from Jesus. That's my prayer that today's message will just open up our hearts to God's word and leave everyone here confident of this fact. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Do you agree with that? He that is in us, Jesus Christ, is greater than anything the world has. Now, uh, one of the things I've shared uh, that I, I started this last year, and it actually turned out to be pretty cool, and I'm doing it again this year. It's an app, and it's free, and it's called One Second every day. And basically, uh, one second every day, you post a picture from that day, 
and it's got a calendar, and you just put it on there. And then at the end of the year, you can actually see your entire year in pictures in like somewhere between six and eight minutes, and it just unfolds. And I loved it. At the end of the year, it just reminded me of all the ways that, that God was working. Now, there were some days, honestly, totally boring, like a picture of the neighbor's dog or a tree or whatever. And then there were other days that were honestly great, and every so often you get what I would call an epic day. So how many of you, looking back over 2021, had at least a couple epic days? Raise your hand. Good. I'm encouraged because first service, honestly, not so swell. So anyway, they had a rough time with an epic day, but that's what we're going to talk about here. This is an epic day in the life of the disciples, in the life of Jesus, and really, it's, it's a day we can all learn from. So for me, when I went through 2021, I knew it was an epic day. It was September 25th. Uh, my youngest daughter, Danielle, uh, who is expecting her first child, had a, had a shower. They were in from Texas. Uh, so my, my sisters, Linda and Janice, were there. Uh, a lot of Marie's family came in. A lot of friends came in, Danielle's friends. And first of all, it was a perfect weather day. Uh, we were grilling outside, and it was just one of those days, the conversations, all the pictures taken, uh, all the laughter. The t it was just one of those perfect days. Um, and in the backdrop, when you get Marie's family together and you get any of our family together, uh, invariably, especially in the summer, somebody will say, hey, when's the Cardinal game on? And uh, somebody knew that would be me. And so I said, oh, it's on such and such a time. Uh, now, I don't, I don't know much about it. Uh, they beat the Cubs. They won their 15th game in a row. But anyway, <laughs> what was so cool, my, my sister-in-law, her name's Leslie, who had been battling cancer. Um, it was just so neat as we sat out there, and I'm grilling, and Leslie's giving me updates on the game. She goes, did you hear that double play? And I'm like, that was awesome. You know, so I, I knew in the moment, I knew what a day this is. And you know what that's like to have those kind of days. This is the kind of day I guarantee the disciples talked about. Do you remember that day? Do you remember what happened in 24 hours? And that's what we're going to do today. I'm just hopefully letting you walk with them through those 24 hours found in Mark chapters 4 and 5. Mark chapter 4 starts out very, very laid back. Jesus, as he loves to do, meets people where they're at. And they're, they're near the Sea of Galilee, and he's there on the seashore. And I can just picture the boats, and I think it's a beautiful sunny day. And he just begins teaching the way that Jesus teaches, and he uses parables. I love the way that Jesus uses parables. He talked about the sower and the seed. He talked about the lamp on a stand. He talked about the mustard seed. And I love, love parables. I always have loved parables. And you have heard, just like I have grown up in church, uh, the definition of a parable is it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Some of you skipped out on children's church. But anyway, it's an earthly. But I heard a better definition that I want to share with you. The definition from Warren Worsby is this. He goes, think of a parable like this. First of all, it's a picture. That picture gets your attention and allows you to examine yourself in that story. And then it goes from being a picture to a mirror. Look at yourself in the mirror. And then in faith, you go from the mirror to now that parable becomes a window to the world. What are you going to do with that parable? And I love that. So as you hear these parables this morning, you need to not only put yourself there, but you need to say, what am I going to do with it? For example, Jesus goes into these parables. He talks about two of those. He talks about sowing seeds. One of them, he talks about this lamp that you should never put out. 
Do you remember when you were a kid and you sang about that song? Don't let Satan, what? It out, yeah, yeah, you know. And so you don't blow out that light. You don't blow out that lamp. And I think the disciples are like, this is pretty cool. Jesus is talking about seeds and lamps, and it's a beautiful sunny day. And then he just slips in this last little parable. And he said, it's kind of like uh, your faith is like a mustard seed. Take this little seed, you plant it, and that little seed becomes the largest plant in the garden. And you know they're thinking, wow, that is great. And then what Jesus always does which so many teachers, think about this, don't do very well. Matter of fact, how many of you have ever took a class or two and you complain to your friends, I will never use this for the rest of my life. This is worthless information. And then every so often you'll get a teacher that can take anything they're teaching and they make it come alive. How do they do that? They make it relevant. Somehow they make you believe you got to know this stuff. And then they have a way of putting it in your life so you actually do something with it. That's what Jesus does. So here he talks about faith, and they're all nodding their heads, feeling good about themselves. And then Jesus says, now, let's get in the boat, and let's just go across the other side, and let's just see what happens. And they get in the boat. Still a great day. Mark chapter 4, let's pick it up in verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Highlight the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, where there also were other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. What was he doing? Sleeping. Isn't that awesome? On a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have, what? No faith. I think he's beyond the mustard seed illustration, don't you? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? If you were in the boat, how many of you would have been terrified? Yeah. If not all of you raised your hand, you should have. Because these are fishermen. And if they're terrified, you got to know how scary that is. And then if that wasn't scary enough, Jesus is sleeping. And they wake him up. Now, remember, this is Mark 4. They're just now beginning to follow Jesus. They haven't quite figured out Jesus. He's still the rabbi telling parables. Are you with me? And then Jesus stands up and says, be still. And the storm goes away. Does that not freak you out? Now, seriously, if you're one of the disciples, you woke up at that moment with Jesus. You know, you realize I'm in the boat with God's son. This is the Messiah. God's in my boat. Now, that is terrifying. That is terrifying. And I imagine as they're shivering, they're thinking, what an what an incredible day this has been, but it's not over yet. Matter of fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, speaking of storms, 85% of all the things that we worry about never happen. Did you know that? 85% of things that we stress over never happen. But every so often, something in life comes that's uh, totally unexpected, 
like a storm, and it completely knocks us down and nearly out. And when those storms come, they also feel like a hurricane. They're violent. Matter of fact, I did some research on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee sets in a basin. It's 685 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by hills. Many of those hills are over 2,000 feet high. And when a severe storm rolls over those hills, it can be, as it says in verse 37, furious. Furious. Matter of fact, the Weather Channel says that a squall is a violent burst of wind with significant thunder or hail, rain or snow. My question this morning is very personal. Are you going through a storm right now? Now, I know some of you are like, what are you talking about? It's sunny. Spring's coming. On March 4th, we can take off our mask. Can I have a hallelujah? I mean, come on. Life is good. Life is good. Why are you talking about a storm? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Emotionally, some of you right now are barely hanging on. Some of you are looking at your life thinking, I can't take this storm much longer. And I feel so beat down. I, I feel so anxious and stressed. I can't sleep. I feel like I'm just drained all the time. First of all, I want to thank you that you could have done a hundred things today, but you came here. You came here to worship Jesus Christ. And so you made the right choice. But I know, as I was preparing this message, I thought, I, I know that some of you are going through storms. So I just want to pause and I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for those right now that are going through an unexpected storm that just cuts us to the bone sometimes. And it's so painful. And we can't sleep at times. And we just, Lord, we just want to know you're there. So I just pray that your presence will show up in a profound way so that everybody knows that even in the midst of the storm, Jesus is there. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Now, I've got some bad news. Uh, I know I went through this, and I, I imagine some of you did too. Uh, when I, I was baptized when I was a real little guy, and the only reason I did it was because everybody else did it. I know nobody else did that here, but I made a decision when I was a really young kid that that's what you do. When I was about 16, I realized... I think I really do understand clearly what sin is, and I am really good at it. You know, I, I got to that point, and I remember I came home from church camp, and I, you know it's bad because I told my mom. And I'm like, Mom, I, I can't tell you all the stuff I've got in trouble doing that you don't know about, but uh, I really want to walk with Christ. I want to be real. We went out and bought a Bible and read the Bible, and I thought it was going to get easier when I re rededicated my life, that next year was the worst spiritual year of my life. I mean to tell you, everything that I used to get away with, I got caught. All year long, my entire junior year of high school was terrible. And I thought, and I remember praying, like, God, seriously, I gave my life to you. And he's like, you haven't learned yet. You came out of the storm, but you thought it was going to get easier? It doesn't get easier. Folks, I hate to tell you that in life. After a storm, have you noticed that it's like we're on this boat and we think when we get to the other side, it's going to get easier? And what happens? I'm not through the storm yet. So God is still working through us. But the key is he's with us. He's with us no matter what you're going through today. He's with you. And when they got to the other side, 
This is an amazing story in Mark 5. When they get to the other side, they show up, and in the distance they see these tombs, and they actually can hear something like howling. This is not a good situation. And then this guy comes running out of the tombs to Jesus. Now, you got to know, the disciples are thinking, you have got to be kidding I liked it a lot better when he talked about mustard seeds. I loved it when he told those parables. And we nearly died in this storm. And now there's this, this guy possessed by several demons running at me. This is a bad day. This is not an epic day. But it really was an epic day. I read, uh, I wanted to find something that dealt with storms and, and uh, faith. And so I wanted to find a theologian uh, to impress you. And so I did the best I could. So I'm going to be quoting from Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, right now. <laughs> this is so good. And here's what he said. So you know it's true, okay? It's good. And he calls his faith on the other side. I have found with depression. Let me just pause there. Okay, when I look at Dwayne Johnson, I'm like, you've never been depressed a day of your life. But he, he said, when I battle depression, one of the most important things is to realize you're not alone. You're not the first to go through it. And you're not going to be the last. You feel like you're alone in a bubble. You just need someone to say, it's going to be okay. You got to remember, hold on to that fundamental quality of faith that on the other side of the pain is something good. That's true. I wish that there was another route to learn life's greatest lessons. But I don't know about you, but for me, it's always been on the other side of pain. That's how God works. And what I love is that Jesus Christ, just like he was with them, Jesus Christ is with us. We need to understand that just like Jesus wanted the disciples to walk in faith, he wants us to walk in faith. Matter of fact, when they came to the other side and this demon-possessed man came running at them, and one of the texts says, and Jesus got out of the boat. What I didn't read is the other 12 got out of the boat. I think they were like, this is way over my head. And yet there was Jesus. Now, I love that about Jesus. And when you talk about the supernatural, we need to understand that that is just as real today as it was in the days of Jesus. Ephesians 6.12 says what? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil, the heavenly realms. Evil is spiritual darkness, and it is real. This week, I had uh, the privilege of meeting with some folks from all of our campuses on security. And Jim Graham was there with me. Uh, Nate was there. And uh, matter of fact, I, I want to just applause right now for Jim Graham and our security team that keep us safe, okay? So as they were talking, they showed this little clip, and I went back to research it, but this is a shooting that took place, you may remember, uh, and it was in the West Freeway Church of Christ, and the shooter uh, stood up, and they've got it all on video, and he shot two people, killed two people, and then he was killed. But they have a picture of that church in Texas of how many people stood up with their guns. Uh, you know, they say in Texas, even the floors have guns. I mean, it's, it was one of those terrible, terrible situations. Now, afterwards, the sheriff, his name is uh, Bill Wayburn. Here's what he said. Today, 
evil walked boldly among us and good people raised up to stop it. Evil walks boldly among us today. Do you think that was just in the days of Jesus? Absolutely not. Do you think there's evil in our community right now? Absolutely. It's real. The darkness is real. We need to understand that if there's an absolute right, then there's an absolute wrong. If there's an absolute light, then there's absolute darkness. If there's absolute truth, you have absolute lies. And if there's an absolute heaven, there's an absolute hell. We need to realize that the forces of evil do exist today. And to say they don't is absolutely ridiculous. And actually, it's dangerous. I believe if Jesus were standing here right now, he'd say, wake up. Wake up. Evil is real. But Jesus is real. We need to understand, just like John Mark uh, Comer, who said in the book, uh, Live No Lies, that there are three ways that war is waging against us all the time. Number one is our flesh. We have a sinful, fallen condition called sin. All of us do. I don't know how many grandparents we have. Raise your hand if you have any grandkids. Okay, so you know exactly what I'm saying. Do you know one of the hardest days as a grandparent when you realize that one of your grandkids is not perfect? Did you know that? They're not perfect. You, you think they are, and then one day you realize, oh, yeah, they have a fallen nature just like I do. All of us need to understand that sin is real. Number two is we're attacked by Satan himself. And people say, oh, that's a cartoon character. Well, then what did Jesus say about Satan? He said he was the evil one, the destroyer, the deceiver, the prince of this world. He's the father of lies. I think Satan has a first cousin, and that's half-truths. We need to realize that he has a game plan. He leans into our desires. He deceives us, discourages us, and then eventually he wants to destroy us. That's always been his strategy. And then the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, tries to normalize sin. And take that which is sacred and water it down to where it's just a mere opinion. So let me ask you a question. In our world, our culture today, do you think people are drawn closer to Jesus or farther away? Well, I think the culture's drawing us farther away. Here's the great news. Jesus is alive and well. A world that desperately needs hope needs Jesus. So you know what we're going to keep doing? We are going to preach Jesus. We love Jesus. People may not like the church, but you know who they love? Jesus. So we're just going to keep talking about the hope of Jesus in a broken world. Now let's get back to the story. This demon-possessed man runs up to Jesus. The disciples are behind him, and he screams at the top of his lung. And I think because there were multiple spirits, I think he screamed in multiple voices, which is even creepier, son of the most high. Isn't that awesome? Son of the most high, what do you want with me? Great question. What do you want with me? Jesus says, what's your name? And he said, I'm legion. You know what legion means? Many. In other words, I'm possessed by so many demons, I can't give you a name. And then I love what Jesus does next. He sees the brokenness he sees the destruction in his life. He sees chains that have been broken because he's so strong. He's broken all the chains. He sees a man that is so completely devastated that just needs life. It just needs to feel love again. 
and he takes all of the evil spirits, and you know what he does. There's 2,000 swine. So let's say that legion means there was 6,000 spirits. Imagine that, 6,000 spirits cast into 2,000 swine. We got a situation here, okay? And those swine, what did they do? They jump off of this cliff. So I don't know if you're aware of this. Rumor has it that this is the first time it's recorded that we have devil's ham. <laughs> I'll let you think about that for a little bit. <laughs> Wait a minute, it gets worse. They had an autopsy on the, on the pigs. Do you know what the cause of death was? Suicide. <laughs> okay, that's not even funny. Okay. <laughs> Somebody coming out of church today said, instead of a swan dive, it was a swine dive. I mean, that's, it gets sick. Okay. But here's why I just share that. That, believe it or not, drew a lot of attention in that area. And all these folks made their way to the tombs because they knew about this guy who howled at the moon, they, that cut himself, this guy that broke chains. Trust me, they knew. And yet all these swine that jumped over, they knew something, something was completely off. And they made their way to the tombs. And this is the picture that I love. When they get there, there he is, and it tells us in verse 15, and he was clothed. Isn't that awesome? That the very first thing Jesus did is he gave him back his dignity. Like, man, I know you felt like life is hopeless, but here, put something on. And just know that I love you and I, I care about you. And I love in verses 16 and 17, he pleads with Jesus. He pleads with Jesus, what do you want me to do next? Because, see, they wanted Jesus to leave. Too controversial, but not him. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to get in the boats. I think it's humorous. The disciples, can you imagine their reaction? The demon-possessed guy wants to get in the boat and follow Jesus. They're probably like, let's give it some time. You know, Frank, you're a little disturbing, right? You know, I mean, it's, but no, Jesus, I love what he says is, um, no, I don't want you to follow me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. And I want you to tell your family, and I want you to tell all your friends what happened here. Now, I don't know about you, but um, there's a couple of things I can't wait when I get to heaven. Uh, one of them is there's, there's a lot of folks I want to meet. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of folks you want to meet. Uh, I've got a dad and, and a brother um, and a brother-in-law and um, people. My, I got so many people that I just... Um, I need to hang out with for a while. And then I have a whole list of people I want to meet. Moses, you know, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, there, I've got so many. And I want to meet this dude. I want to hang out with this guy. I'm like, what was that like? What was that like when you were so desperate and you had given up and every moment of your life you wanted to die and you found Jesus? What was that like? And I think here's what he'd say. Crazy thing happened. I got back home, and I started talking to everybody about Jesus. And he came back. Did you know that? And when he came back, he fed thousands of people. Now, here's my question. How did they even know about Jesus? Because of this one guy. And I wonder if the disciples think, huh, I remember on a sunny day when he talked about a mustard seed. I think that guy is the mustard seed, and we can be the same. So God wants out of every one of us. You have a story. All of you here have a story. 
and you found Jesus, and Jesus changed everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you can break every chain. You can take care of all the darkness in our life, the storms that just beat us down. You're there. You're there. You simply ask us to have faith. And it's hard sometimes. It is so hard. But you're there. When it's hopeless, you give us hope. And when it's dark, you give us light. And when it gets to the point we come to the end, you give us life eternal. We thank you for loving us so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray.